On the Record with White House correspondent April Ryan. I'm April Ryan with Donna Brazil. She's got a new book that's moving fast and furious and has a lot of controversy behind it. This is On the Record. Donna Brazil, thank you for joining Hacks the inside story of the break-ins and breakdowns that put Donald Trump in the White House. You are the author of this book that has got everyone talking. And it's interesting. You have a picture of the White House on the book upside down. So you flipped the world upside down with this book. And now you said <laughs> the election has flipped the world upside down and even the White House. Talk to me, Donna. Thank you, first of all. Um, it's great to talk to you, not just about my book, but also about uh, how important it is for the American people to understand what happened in 2016. Uh, the Democratic National Commission, uh, Committee was a victim of a serious hacking by a household foreign uh, uh, a, a country that wanted to so discard uh, to weaken our democracy, and clearly by hacking and stealing our emails, uh, that led to our party having to fight for its own life, its, its political survival. And the purpose of writing this book was to ensure that we had a process by which we discussed what happened in, in the 2016 election. Of course, this is my view from the vantage point of being the interim chair. Uh, I've never been the person the party turns to first, but I'm the person they bring in, bring in to clean up the mess. It's like being a substitute teacher with an unruly class in an underfunded school. Uh, so my job was to go in there and to, to try to uh, ensure that the party could compete, uh, given what was happening with the hacking, and, and to work uh, to elect Democrats from the top of the ticket uh, all the way down to city council and sheriff races. Now, throughout this whole time that you were interim, and let me just let me just for the record, I've known you for the last 20 years. Um, and, and during this time, when all this hacking and the WikiLeaks happened, uh, it was a pivotal time in the DNC. You know, it was all about women. And you were one of those key women uh, in place to move the party forward. It was all about the year of the woman. But now it became the year of angry woman, which people are trying to say, you know, Hillary Clinton is upset uh, with how the process happened. And you are, in your words, exposing what happened. Donna, you say things in your book that the process was rigged inside the DNC. Um, you also talk about uh, the fact that Hillary Clinton's name could have been withdrawn for nomination. Um, and I've talked to some people outside of the DNC, but who are very close uh, to the process and they said yeah you know we did hear things about possibly changing the name at one time uh, bringing in uh, Vice President Joe Biden talk to me about this what do you say in your book about this this time well first of all I don't like the word rigged uh, states control the primaries not the DNC the voting was not rigged because because the independence of the DNC was being jeopardized by uh, you know, what I refer to uh, a joint fundraising agreement that went beyond the standard uh, um, agreements that simply allow the Democratic Party to raise money for state parties and for general election operations. I thought that was wrong, and I used the word cancer. The word, I believe, was cancer. What I found uh, in the separate document, the memorandum of understanding signed between the Clinton camp and the DNC was a cancer. And the control of the, and the control of the Clinton camp head over the DNC made it difficult 
for me to do my job as chair. So let me just explain it to uh, many of your listeners who, you know, know me well. Uh, imagine when Donald Trump said on August 19th, what the hell do they have to lose? And here I was, the chair of the party, uh, the second time in my life that I've been chair of the party. And I am trying to address what Donald Trump is saying to members of the African-American community. What the hell do you have to lose? Of course, I wrote a column, but I wanted to do more than just write a column. I wanted to do ads. I wanted to get more posters, more people on the ground. There were things that I felt that I could do as party chair that I could not do without permission from the people in Brooklyn. Why? Because they controlled my finances. People ask me, why am I upset about it? Well, I'm the chair of the party. I'm also raising money. I'm traveling. I'm doing all of these things. And by the way, I was traveling on my own nickel. I was not being paid. I was not a a happy camper, so to speak. But here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to win, not just the presidency. I wanted to win Senate seats. I wanted to win House seats. I wanted to recapture some of the state legislative seats. And yes, I wanted to compete not just in the so-called battleground states. I love battleground states. I mean, the 18 states in the District of Columbia that supply 242 electoral votes. I didn't want to take voters for granted in Illinois or Minnesota or my beloved home state of Louisiana. I was proud that the Clinton campaign did provide resources to assist the Democratic National Committee with its efforts. And, you know, we, we fought. That's what you do in campaigns. We're a family. But the cancer was something that I promised Bernie that I would find, and I found it, and I told him. And you know what? Bernie said to me, he said, what do you think about the polls? And I said, I don't, I don't trust the polls, Bernie. we got to go out there and continue to really get people excited. And I have to tell you, uh, Bernie Sanders uh, went out and, and did get people excited. So I want to address one other issue, because I think a lot of people are mistaken um, about the role of a chair. Uh, there's a charter in, in the DNC uh, uh, playbook that says, and it's Article 3, Section C1, for those who go on the website, it gives the DNC the authority. Procedural rules of the Democratic Convention uh, says in Section G, fill in a vacancy on the national ticket in the event of death, resignation, or disability of a nominee. The national chair shall confer with the Democratic leadership. So I was the chair of the party. I was the one making phone calls saying, is she okay? Is she okay? So April, this is when, this is, this, yeah, this is when said, she was feeling, she not feeling fine. well and she had, um, she had kind of uh, faltered or passed out and, and, and had to take some time off. Is that what you're talking about? That is what I was referring to. I was not, I was not out to uh, do anything other than to help Secretary Clinton uh, literally get back on her feet, to get back on the road uh, when uh, the calls were coming in uh, from not just members of my own party, but the media and others. I had someone from the Hillary campaign, Charlie Baker. I mentioned Charlie Baker in the book. Charlie came down from Brooklyn to be with me all day to tamp down the rumors and to ensure that no one uh, would try to replace the nominee. Now, in the event that it had to occur, as chair of the party, I kept my own counsel. Uh, I did not go out and whisper uh, or put it out there because, as you know, uh, and all of this is pretty much on the record, because when you're chair of the party, you have one of the most visible positions in the party. My job was to ensure that if we needed a plan B, I was prepared to have one in case I had to confer with the leadership of the Democratic Party. I'm April Ryan. This is On the Record, and we're talking to Donna Brazil about her new book, Hacks. 
So you were the face telling everyone every uh, that everything was okay, but internally you were trying to find out if she was actually okay and if she could remain as the nominee or at the time. I, I had every right, given the procedural rules of the Democratic Party and the, Dem and the Democratic Convention, to confer uh, and to discuss it. I never did it in a public way. Uh, I did it privately uh, with members of her, of her staff. Uh, and as well as, uh, as I said, I kept my own counsel. Um, I've been a party official, a party leader for uh, several decades now. I'm proud of my service uh, in the Democratic Party. I started at the age of nine. I'm 57. I feel no ways tired, but I want my party. I want my party to come out of this experience stronger. I want my party to come out of this, this experience by healing the wounds so that we can uh, not only focus on uh, what happened, all of it, but we can heal and unite and move forward stronger. Donna Brazil hacks the inside story of the break-ins and breakdowns that put Donald Trump in the White House. Once again, author Donna Brazil with us. Now, Donna, going back to that. So you did you feel comfortable? knowing what you knew or f telling everyone that she was okay, did you feel comfortable at the end of the day that she was okay? Or did you just go along with what everyone was saying? Oh, let me just tell you something. There's one person I know, and, you know, I've worked in politics a long time. I come out of the Jackson camp, the Dukakis camp, the Gephardt camp, the Clinton camp, the Gore camp, you know, the Obama camp. I've been in so many camps, I need to get my own camp. But let me just tell you this. There's one person I know, and that is Hillary Clinton. She's the most resilient, the most tenacious, the most vibrant woman I've ever worked with in American politics. I respect her. I've known her since my days when I was just helping out of the Children's Defense Fund. When I heard that uh, she had pneumonia, which all of us understand what it's like to have pneumonia. I've had pneumonia myself. I went out there publicly to say she's fine and she's going to get back on the road. But you know what I wanted most of all? I wanted Hillary to rest. And in and, and, and reading my book, you will learn that I saw her two days before her so-called collapse. And I said to her, Hillary, I think you need acupuncture. You know, I get acupuncture. I like acupuncture. I don't like to take medicine. And so I said, you need to go get some acupuncture. You need to make sure that the, the staff is allowing you time to rest. Nobody can keep that kind of schedule without feeling, uh, you know, tired or fatigued. But you know what? She went out there. She got back on her feet. She wasn't 100%, you know, ready. But by the time she got to the debate, and I said this in my book, that Hillary, the Hillary we all knew was back. She was on her feet. And guess what? She was hitting and holding so, so Donna, people have um, come out against this book uh, in the party. People are, are, are wagging their tongues. The president is now quoting you. President Trump is quoting you uh, saying things. And people feel like this book has been a gift to the president because we're hearing now that you've gone out against uh, Hillary Clinton, President Obama, um, the politicians that you worked for and helped. And then on the other side, you go after uh, people like the head of CNN, um, as well as uh, a CNN TV host. Talk to us about this. Is, is that accurate? I mean, what should people take away from this? Is this just giving information well, it's, or it's, you... Burning down the house. Well, first of all, first of all, uh, anyone who believes that I've gone after anyone uh, it don't understand when you're disappointed uh, in people that you believe should know better. 
uh, that's not going after them. That's ex- that's exposing uh, what I believe to be the cancer. Um, I, it, how do I put it? But uh, by, by stating it, that the, the party was had twenty three million dollars in debt that Secretary Clinton helped to clean up, and in exchange for cleaning up the debt. Uh, they found a way to, guess what? They found a way to take control of several departments within the party. That is all I said. Now, as for Donald Trump, uh, I think the president needs to get his own house in order before he comes looking into our house. The second thing, I think the president needs to focus on what happened, the hacks of our party, the the attack uh, on our country by the Russians. He needs to focus on strengthening our democracy so that we can be prepared in 2018 and beyond. I also think the president should take this as a fair warning to him as well as uh, to the Republicans that what happened to the Democrats in 2016 can happen to the Republicans in 2018. When an aggressive foreign uh, uh, military unit of, uh, of uh, another country begins to attack your democracy, attack the people inside it, harasses, use our emails as weapons, I believe all of that should be addressed. In my book, I, I, I talked about my disappointment with and not being able to find the so-called uh, WikiLeaks emails on my own server in my own system. I don't know if they were wiped because of the DNC had some of our servers wiped. But what I did describe was my love for CNN, my former colleagues who I have great respect for. Uh, and in fact, uh, I don't mention Jeff Zucker's name at all in my book because as far as I'm concerned, I worked for CNN. I was, an, I was uh, uh, a con- contributor to CNN. And I, uh, again, wanted to spell out what happened. So this book is not a, I'm going to burn down the house. It's a, I'm telling my story. I was a player and this is giving you the information as I know it. Well, April, anybody who knows me know that I've always had strong opinions. I've always lived my my life in such a way that if I saw an injustice, I would expose it. Uh, I'm not perfect. I made a lot of mistakes. I spent most of the month of August 2016 apologizing to people who I felt were, you know, uh, perhaps, you know, uh, would not like what was going on, did not like the fact that they were hacked and they were harassed, did not like what came out in those emails. I spent a lot of time apologizing, but at the end of the day, I worked worked very hard to strengthen the Democratic Party to fight uh, the Russian hacking, and and hopefully the work that I'm doing now up at the the Shorenstein Center is to help uh, provide the kind of cyber literacy so that if our country comes under another cyber attack, uh, we're better prepared to handle it. I talked to Tom Perez, the head of the Democratic National Committee, and I talked to him uh, about the elections today. And I also uh, brought up your book at the end of our conversation. And he said, what is going on? There are reforms. He said, Dems have to do a better job on primary debates, having them much earlier before you know who the candidates are. And he also talked about um, efforts to reform the superdelegate issue. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I applaud Chairman Perez. We need the Unity Reform Commission. I wanted to get the Unity Reform Commission up and going before I left. Uh, but it was up to the next chair to appoint the members of the Unity Reform Commission, and I did not want to tank the process. There are many ways to look at uh, improving our democratic process, not just as a Democratic Party, but perhaps the Republican Party should look at winner-take-all. 
uh, we have to look at the role of unpledged delegates, which is also referred to as superdelegates. We have to look at the calendar. Is there enough inclusion uh, in the calendar process? Do we make those decisions or will states continue to make those decisions? I happen to believe that states make decisions on when their primaries will be held. So there are lots of things that we can do. The most important thing, April, is to remember that 90 million Americans who were eligible to vote did not participate last year. And so while we focus on the 120, uh, 130 million that did, 90 million of our eligible citizens, they could have made the difference in those three states that uh, Hillary would have won and we would we would be having a different conversation today. I still believe that Regardless of the outcome, and of course, I wanted a different outcome. Uh, I wrote this book because of the hacking that took place, uh, the weakening of our democracy, the polarization that I think contributed to it, and the fact that Democrats, many Democrats who we needed to be on the battlefield, were not on the battlefield. We have to strengthen our, our not just our two-party system, but we got to make sure that Americans understand when they go to the polls, they're voting for their futures, not just for a candidate. Anything else you'd like to add about hacks, and will this help or hurt the system? Well, I I spent a lot of time this summer uh, thinking about what kind of future we should have Mm -hmm. as Americans, and I said we have to choose hope and choose action. We have to choose a path that unites us, a path that brings us together to bring bring out the best of the American people. I believe the platform that Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders supported last year was a strong platform that talked about job creation and and making college more affordable, preserving the Affordable Care Act and extending it to others. We have a lot of work to do, but I, I hope people will read this with an open mind, understanding that this is one person's experience. Yes, uh, a woman who has spent a lot of time in, in the trenches for the Democratic Party, but more importantly, a woman who wants to preserve and strengthen our democracy so that every American will have an opportunity to express his or her vote at the ballot box. Donna Brazil has a new book out by Hashtag Books, Hacks, the inside story of the break-ins and breakdowns that put Donald Trump in the White House. Donna, thank you. You're the former interim head of the DNC. If anybody knows, you know. Thank you so much, Donna. Thank you so much for listening. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.